Hello, and welcome to the Anxiety Rx podcast, a show created by an anxiety specialist and neuroscientist, me, that offers unique, practical, and actionable advice to help you understand what anxiety truly is and exactly what you can do to empower yourself to resolve it. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Kennedy, an MD who suffered with crippling anxiety for 30-plus years, and traditional therapy from psychiatrists and psychologists really didn't help me feel better. And I also didn't like being on psych meds. In 2013, after burning out and leaving medical practice, I came to the conclusion that if I was ever going to heal my anxiety, I would have to do it myself. And that's exactly what I did, drawing from experiences with psychedelics and holistic healing and combining those modalities with my scientific academic background in medicine, neuroscience, and developmental psychology. Here on the Anxiety Arcs podcast, I offer a distinctly non-traditional and non-medical approach to understanding and healing anxiety. So despite the fact I'm trained as a physician, in no way is what I say and suggest to be construed as medical advice because none of the ways I use to resolve anxiety has anything to do with traditional allopathic medicine. From my own healing, I've created a distinctly non-traditional understanding and approach that helps thousands of people from all over the world understand and relieve their chronic anxiety. So if you're ready, let's get into today's episode. So welcome back to Anxiety Rx. I've had some family issues, I've had some book issues, and now I'm back to really get into the podcast and I'm changing the format a little bit and I'm just trying to have more fun with it and give you more practical advice and help you really navigate this thing that we call anxiety, which I call alarm, because I think that's what it really is. And today's episode is a new way to understand and heal anxiety, because if we don't understand what anxiety truly is, if we don't know the cause of it, we're not going to be able to fix it. And that was true with me as a medical doctor. If I didn't know what I was treating, the chances of me getting the right treatment were not very good. So here's from the ground up how I believe anxiety starts and how I believe that it should be treated. So in most cases, not all cases, I take a lot of flack for, you know, you say everything is about childhood trauma. It's like, well, 99.9% of the people I see, my patients have had childhood trauma, and there are other causes of anxiety. Absolutely. There is, you know, a separation from your parent. It's amazing how many clients I see that say, oh, I had a great childhood. I had, everything was fine. And then I say, okay, well, were you separated from your mother or your father when you were younger? And they come back like a week later and they say, oh my God, my mother went into the hospital when I was like 18 months for two months because she had a gallbladder surgery or whatever. And I was separated. It's like, okay, well, you know, that's one of the reasons why you're anxious is that you were separated. You just didn't know it. So we can have great parents, but if we were separated from those parents at a young age, we can show up with anxiety and abandonment fears and all that stuff that goes with it. Another thing is inherited family trauma. I see this all the time. I see a certain type of trauma being handed down family to family to family. And as a family doctor, that, that was my job for 20 years plus years, I would see traumas running through families. The same kind of trauma would run through families. So we can get anxiety from causes that aren't specifically childhood trauma, but the vast majority of people I see with anxiety have suffered some kind of 
of trauma. And here's the other thing. I don't think that we are born with a genetic predisposition to anxiety. What I think we have is a genetic predisposition to being sensitive. So temperament is one of those things that I think may well turn out to be genetically determined. So if you have a very sensitive temperament and you have a very loving, attached family, you'll probably do just fine. But if you have a very sensitive temperament and you grow up with an alcoholic father or an abusive mother or a narcissistic mother or just general trauma in your family, you're probably going to wind up with some kind of mental dysregulation. Now, it may not be anxiety. Could be depression, might be eating disorder, might be a personality disorder. But the people I see that show up with anxiety were almost always, in fact, they were always born sensitive people. And again, if you're born sensitive in a loving, caring environment, you're probably going to do just fine. But if you're born sensitive and your environment is very challenging, it's likely you're going to wind up having some mental dysregulation from that. So this is what I believe happens, is that we have some kind of trauma as children that's too much for us to bear, and it changes our nervous system. It doesn't allow our nervous system to bring us back to that state of what's called homeostasis, which is you know, a, a flat baseline state that we can return to over and over and over again. And that commonly is what happens with you know, sugar regulation in our body, Uh, heat regulation in our body, same kind of thing, but with emotional issues. So if you grow up in an attached, loving, attuned environment, you learn that your parent can get mad at you and you can kind of go back to a normal state after that. But if you grow up in a traumatic environment, your emotional regulation typically is not that good because it wasn't practice and it wasn't something that you got exposed to and showed that you were safe that you could act out, that you could be angry. That was one thing about me, my childhood, is I couldn't be angry. My mother grew up during the the Blitz in Britain, and if I made noise, my mother would freak out at me. She'd be like, stop that, stop that noise. You know. So after a while, and anger was part of that too. If I got angry, if I started throwing stuff, because I, <laughs> I do have a bit of a temper to this day. I, I'm great with people. I have infinite patience with people. But with things, like if I am putting together an Ikea desk and it's not going well, I start throwing my toys because I'm just like, I get, I have a temper. I really do. And I think it comes from that time in my life where I got angry, I got loud, and my mother shut me down. And that's another, that should be another podcast topic one time about, you know, if you get, if you get your anger shut down by your parent, you turn into a victim. And I think I've talked about this before, maybe on previous podcasts, but but it's really about getting a trauma, going back to where we we're talking, getting a trauma that's too much for you to bear, that changes your nervous system so it doesn't go back to normal anymore. And often these traumas are so intense, when, especially when we're younger, is that we stuff them down out of our consciousness. So we push them into what's called the unconscious. Because it's too painful to think that your father's going to hit you or that your father's not going to be there or that your mother's going to abuse you in some way. It's too painful. So we stuff that down into the unconscious. And I believe that the body, and I'm not the only one that believes this, is a representation of the unconscious mind. So first, you experience a trauma. 
say you're seven years old and your parents get divorced, trauma that's too much for you to bear. So you stuff that down into your unconscious and then it will show up in your body. And that's what I do with people. I find these traumas by talking about them, like what happened to you. It's like my parents divorced when I was seven. And I said, okay, well, where do you feel that in your body? And they go, what? What the hell are you talking about? I thought you were you know, a legit therapist and you're talking about my body. Like, where do I feel my, like, are you nuts? Where do I feel my parents divorce in my body? And I go, no, no, just, you know, close your eyes, relax your jaw, you know, take a couple of breaths. And then I'll take you back to that place where you were riding your bike around the corner and you saw the for sale sign on your front lawn and you knew that meant that your parents were getting divorced. And then people will say, oh, I, you know, now that, now that I really focus on my body, I can feel this real tightness in my kind of solar plexus area. And then I'll go into it. It's like, how big is it? You know, it's all about the size of my fist, I guess. Um, does it have a color? Does it have a shape? Does it have a temperature? Now I'm shortening this quite a bit. But people will come out and find the alarm in their body. And I'm going to do a future podcast where I take people right from the start and I get you to lie down, and I, I do this in a meditative way. So I find your alarm because this is the part of you that you really need to fix if you have anxiety. You really need to, to address this alarm. So I'll find this alarm in their body, and then we'll put our hand over it, and we'll try and connect with that alarm. Because a lot of what anxiety is, is this state of alarm that got stored in our body from trauma that was too much for us to bear when we were children. And we sublimated that. We pushed it down into the unconscious, and then it showed up in our bodies. But we didn't realize it was in our bodies because then we start to worry. And when we start to worry, it distracts us from this pain, this trauma that we've stored down in our body. So we get into these exaggerated worries. And irrational worries. You know, I have patients that that are come to me and they are convinced that they have cancer. They're like 25 years old. They're convinced that they have cancer. And basically what they had was some kind of trauma that they didn't recover from when they were younger. And it's manifesting. That energy has to go somewhere. So rather than staying in the body, rather than staying in our body and allowing it to process, we move into our heads and we start to worry. And that's what happens. We start to worry. And then when we worry, we go and start trying to fix the wrong thing. So we start trying to fix the worries. And most traditional therapies are like this. They try and fix the worries. Cognitive behavior therapy, psychotherapy. They try and fix your thoughts, which helps. I'm not saying it doesn't help. But the root cause, in my opinion, and what's really allowed me to heal after 35 years of crippling anxiety is seeing that the source of my anxiety really isn't my thoughts. My thoughts are kind of the byproduct of this old alarm energy, this old trauma that has been stuck in my body for many, many years. So if I can find that alarm in my system, for me, as I write in my book, Anxiety Rx, it's stuck in my solar plexus. If I can connect with that alarm, breathe into it, really feel it, like really allow myself to feel it and process it. Because here's here's another part of the woo-woo thing that, you know, as a medical doctor and neuroscientist, I want to have a seizure sometimes because this sounds so spiritual. It sounds so non-scientific. But this alarm that's in my solar plexus is my younger self. 
And I believe it's my younger self asking for my love and attention that I didn't get when I was younger, that I didn't get that from my mother when I was angry that, oh, okay, you're clearly upset about something. What are you upset about? Let's work on this together. Let's join together rather than say, stop that, stop that. Which even when I say those words now, it triggers me. It triggers me like I feel the alarm because, you know, one of these things about anger is that anger is a protective emotion. And if we cut out our anger in our children, we're basically making them victims. And that's another, I'll be another podcast that I'm going to do soon about, you know, how anxiety turns us into victims because it just really reinforces this victim mentality that we don't have agency over our lives, which of course makes us feel more anxious and alarmed. So getting back to my original premise, here's the, here's the story. Here's how it goes. A child experiences a trauma that's too much for them to bear, changes their nervous system. They bury that trauma into the unconscious because it's too painful to stay in conscious awareness. And then as the body is a representation of the unconscious mind, that trauma gets stored, offloaded somewhere into the body. And because we don't want to go back into that old trauma, we stay up in our heads. And this is one of the things that I think anxiety does to us that creates so much of a problem is it divorces us from our body. Anxiety makes us be afraid of our body because that's where the trauma is stored. So of course we're going to stay in our head. Of course we're going to ruminate. Of course we're going to make up the worries that are more and more and more complex and more and more scary because that ego wants us to stay in our heads because it doesn't want us to go back down and experience that old pain. Now, in a nutshell, I'm giving you a lot here in this particular this particular podcast because I want to change the complexion of the podcast to something a little more, well, a lot more practical, actually, a lot more practical so that we can really understand. So once you understand exactly what's going on, then we can do something about it. Then we can start healing it rather than just coping with it. Yes, you can do breathing exercises. Yes, you can do tapping. I have nothing against either one of those things. But unless you find the alarm in your system and you treat that alarm as the wounded younger version of you that it is and resolve it and metabolize it and integrate it, then we heal. But if you're just fixing thoughts, it's like my rowboat analogy. You know, you're out in a rowboat, rowboat's got a hole in it, starts filling up with water. Now you can start bailing water out of that rowboat while you're sitting in it, and it's going to make you feel a little better because the water level is dropping a bit. But it's not fixing the hole in the boat. It's not fixing the underlying problem, which I believe is this alarm that's stored in our system from unresolved trauma when we were younger. And again, not everything is about trauma. But in my population, my anxiety peeps that I see, 99.9% of people that see me, it's because they had childhood trauma. It's still in them. They haven't really addressed it. You know, they may have done hours and hours and hours of talk therapy. But that's the thing. Talk therapy, you're talking to an unconscious process that's in your body. You're talking to a part of you that actually doesn't understand words. It communicates in feelings. 
So to heal that, we also have to communicate in feeling. We have to find that alarm first. We have to put our hand over it. We have to treat it with compassion, love, respect, protection. We have to find that source of alarm and heal that source of alarm. And the reason why I believe that most traditional therapies miss the boat on this is that they're so fixated on trying to fix the mind with the mind, which isn't possible, by the way, that we just wind up chasing our tails. People are in therapy for 5, 10, 15, 30 years, and they're not really a whole lot better because you're chasing the mind. And the problem of alarm and anxiety isn't in your mind. Your mind is a byproduct of this alarm that is held and stored in your body from old trauma that was never resolved. So how do we heal this? Well, first we find the alarm, and I'm going to create uh, something on my podcast that helps you almost like a meditation, find the alarm in your own body. And then once we find the alarm, then we focus on it. Then we breathe into it. Then we you know, touch it. Self-touch is so important. We really develop a connection with that alarm in our body. Because as, again, as I say, that alarm is our younger self asking for our love and attention. And I'll give you an example. So say you're out at a grocery store and a little three-year-old comes up crying because they've lost their parents and they're holding up their hands to you to pick them up because they feel unsafe. Well, of course you'd pick them up. You know, I guess these days maybe you wouldn't because of all the, you know, all the dangerous stuff for kidnapping and all that. But in general, this is a metaphor. Just imagine it's a metaphor. So you, of course you'd pick them up. Of course you'd soothe them, you know, but we don't do that for ourselves. We don't, you know, we don't find our own crying child, which is the alarm, and we don't soothe that. We try and talk our way out of it. We try and talk our way out of a feeling problem, which doesn't work. You cannot talk cognitively to an unconscious, uh, non-cognitive problem and expect it to have long-lasting healing. You can feel better when you change your thoughts. You can feel better when you develop gratitude. I'm nothing against gratitude either. But it's really about you're not going to heal until you find the alarm, which is that younger version of yourself, which is that child in you that's still hurting, and give them the love, hearing them, protecting them, and connecting with them. All those things that they didn't get at the time of their original wounding You have to give them now. That's how you heal. And that's the only way to heal. Every other way is basically a form of coping. And it's basically short term. So if you want to heal in the long term, if you really want to get to the root cause of the problem, like I said at the opening of the podcast today, if you want to get the root cause of the problem and treat that, you're going to fix the problem long term. If you just fix the byproduct of the anxiety, which is the thoughts, you're only going to feel better for a short term. So I'm going to talk more about this theme, but really I want you to understand, if you want to follow with me, if you want to follow the podcast, and if you really want to heal, this is the premise that I use to heal myself. I use to heal my anxiety peeps that I talk about on Instagram. This is what I use. This is the main thing that helped me heal after 35 plus years of psychiatrist, psychologist, EMDR. And again, I have nothing against these things. It's just that they didn't address the root problem, which is this alarm in your system, which 
I saw, I found on LSD. This is how I found this. This is how the medical doctor and neuroscientist in me found the real cause of where my anxiety was, was LSD. And that's another podcast, and I'll do that too. But really, my goal is to help you sort out, find the root cause of your anxiety so that you heal the source of the problem and you're not chasing your tail by bailing water out of the rowboat. You have to go under, heal the hull, heal the, the hole in the hull, and that's how you heal in general. That's how, you, that's how you resolve anxiety. So this episode is a new way to understand and heal anxiety. So to understand anxiety, anxiety isn't in your mind. Anxiety is actually old trauma that's stored in your nervous system, mostly in your body. And you heal that by addressing the root cause of the problem, which is this old alarm that's in your system. You can't heal a feeling problem with a thinking solution. So thanks for listening today. I will be regular this year with podcasts. I am devoted to giving you the best practical, both science-based and ethereal-based, because science, you know, as much as we as much as we have learned from science in neuroscience in the last 20 years, and there has been tremendous growth, not a lot of it has really translated into the clinical setting. So I try and take neuroscientific concepts, but I also blend them with the sort of the mind-body-spirit connection and pull them all together. So I have my science brain and I have my more ethereal brain, and I really like putting them together because I believe that healing is a combination of both art and science. So I'll see you next time, and thanks for joining me. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, and if the Anxiety Rx podcast resonates with you, consider getting my book, also coincidentally called Anxiety Rx. Or you can follow me on any of the social media platforms at The Anxiety MD or my website, www.theanxietymd.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you the next time on the Anxiety Rx podcast.